0: Coming to you from Minneapolis, Minnesota. A conversation about the great and sometimes not so great outdoors. I'm your host, Lynn Melling. And I'm Jody Gruen. And we do this for fun. Hi, it's Jody here at... The Trailhead, Um, one of my most favorite places, Lynn and I's most favorite places. Um, And today, Lynn is not here. Um, And that is because we have a mystery host, which I'm going to get to in a few short minutes. Um, But stick around because this is gonna be worth it. Um, I'm gonna start with saying some words. Um, Aromatic, floral, herbal, earthy, botanical. Are your senses provoked? These are words that I long to use in my daily life, but do very, very rarely. And this is one of the reasons I'm excited to chat again with this week's guest. Our guest today is making her second appearance on We Do This For Fun. The one and only Emily Vigra.
1: Hello, hello.
0: Hello. Um, make sure you go back and check out our episode from last December, um, because we talked a lot about a lot, a lot about foraging, being a woman in, in business, um, and especially in the distillery business, the outdoors, ice skating, and all this good stuff. But I'm going to give a quick intro. Um, Emily earned a PhD from Tufts University, moved back to Duluth to co-found the one and only Vika Distillery. And you dear to most of our hearts here in Minnesota. Um, She's a mother of two children, author of two cookbooks, which we're going to hopefully talk about today, Um, a lover of the outdoors, and we hear that she throws the best parties. I am so looking forward to this discussion, and um, I'm hoping that after we talk about camp cocktails and camp food, that I'll get an invitation to go camping with you. That would be my dream. Um, And so equally exciting is our guest host, which I have just had the pleasure of talking to for quite some time, and I know a lot more about her. Um, But how you all know her is Kate Coward the ultra-endurance athlete, female powerhouse, and very uniquely suited to take over this episode of We Do This For Fun. What do these two female powerhouses have in common? Let's find out. Kate?
1: Thank you, Jodi. Take it away. Hello, Dr. Emily. (laughs) Dr. I presume. (laughs) Pleasure to meet you. Uh, I am excited to be back here. I, I think it's been a couple of years, or, mm-hmm. so since yeah. we chatted in this forum, and then um, hearing your name, Emily, I got to do some research, oh, and we have some things I'm in so common, <laughs> um, such as you own a distillery, I own a brewery. Oh, nice! So, Which one? It's called Loose Line Brewing in mm-hmm. Plymouth, Minnesota. Oh, so that's we fantastic. opened during the pandemic. Great two time to ago. open something, right? <laughs> Almost exactly two years ago. Yep. We opened three days before the, the executive um, order shut down. But um it was it's it was a great experience, uh, great beer, and um, it's it's right on the loose line trail and kind of brings in all things outdoors. So uh, but since then actually <laughs> I've been drinking a lot of whiskey. So um, <laughs> I think quite like a pandemic to just like ratchet <laughs> up. Yeah
2: yes. you Flavor profiles, right? That's sensory opportunities.
1: (laughs) Okay, so here's the deal. When I, like, my only real introduction to liquor, let's Mm -hmm. say, or spirits was... certain ages when you only get access to certain things or you can only afford certain things right and you right? imprint on all sorts of terrible things <laughs> <Yes>. you <and laughs> everything very terribly imprinted so in my 20s i got the opportunity to move to, to europe and got to drink real good belgian beer and i mm-hmm. thought like this is this is ac- this is beer, beer yeah. is this for real right like this is a whole different but yeah. Yeah. So whiskey was similar. It only had, I don't know, like car bombs and all other kinds of terrible things at a bar that like snake bites basically. <laughs> and so when I thought of whiskey or some other liquors, it was always, um, uh, I don't know, cheap or whatever I could get access mm-hmm. to. or I just didn't know enough about it. And then in, uh, in the last couple of years, I, I forget when, but I, I tried whiskey and I tried a whiskey sour and I started trying these other whiskey drinks and I Got really interested in it, so I started buying all of these Minnesota whiskeys. I have not had yours, oh, yeah. so I did you bring any? a bottle? I mean, well, I have a carful, oh. but it's for an event. Yeah, <laughs> I'd probably get in trouble if I started <laughs> handing it out. So I, I've been I've been drinking different whiskeys and trying them either you know neat or on the rocks or with a, something else mixed with it. Mm-hmm. But what would be some advice that you have for somebody who's just who, who thinks like, oh, I don't I don't do whiskey or I don't do gin or I don't do something Like what might be a good way to just discover there could be something for them? Yes. Oh, my
2: gosh. And hearing you say that, right, it makes me think a lot about I think we're primarily known as a gin distillery. We do make whiskey. We make all sorts of things. But um, I'm such a botanically focused person uh, that our gin is probably the best known. And gin is one of those things that for sure people have often had an earlier experience with a low quality gin that was like unbalanced, full of chirping, still had heads in it. It was just like a terrible experience. <laughs> and so I meet so many people who are like, I don't like gin. Mm-hmm. I hate gin. And I'm like, well, let's just try something else because I suspect that you hate bad gin and uh, gin doesn't have to be like that. Let's. And so I think one of, there are two things that I would recommend you can go towards higher end nicer spirits that are going to be smoother more intentionally balanced a lot of the cheaper spirits are not made with as high quality of ingredients and they are not as careful with their cuts because they're trying to maximize how much volume they can get for uh, their price and so there there's more of like the heads and the stuff that gives you a headache and is uh, volatile in there so uh, a higher end spirit is likely going to be smoother, or more balanced, but there's also going to be huge variety there. And so you sometimes just need to talk with taste with somebody who knows what they're doing and can kind of guide you toward a maker or a brand that's going to suit your palate better. And then I'd also say it's great to sip spirits neat if that's your interest, but there's such a fantastic, creative world of cocktails out there and all sorts of flavors and all sorts of ingredients. And so if you like or if you don't like whiskey, but you do love strawberries, you know, maybe what you're missing is a super amazing whiskey strawberry julep. Or, <laughs> you know, you think you <laughs> don't good. like Akavit, yeah. but have you tried Akavit in like a margarita or a sidecar? <laughs> um, and there's just all these ways where many people don't like spirits on their own, and that's fine. <laughs> you know, one of their primary uses is for, for mixing, but you know, mix it with great stuff too. Mix it with interesting, fresh flavors. Don't just dump it in Coke.
0: <laughs> so when you were talking about maybe having a guide, are there like a, is there like a sommelier type person for spirits? I mean, how do you, I mean, how do you find a guide?
2: I would talk to a bartender at a nice like bar or okay. restaurant and chat with them about what sorts of things you're looking for. And they will often be happy to pass you little sips, a variety of different things to test them out and learn more about them. There aren't really, there, are, you know, you can um, become a master whiskey blender or master whiskey maker, master distiller, things like that. But um, not that I know of are there any things that are equivalent to like a sommelier where you're really learning to guide people through other than being a really great bartender. Bartender.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. Um, so we read, well, I bet you have a spirit spirit. Um, and since we talk about the outdoors <laughs> so much, I'm wondering what that spirit spirit is.
2: Uh, I would say that the spirit that kind of most personifies me, I always say is green chartreuse. It's kind of like, intense and a little weird and moody and bright and super flavorful, um, but also really balanced and amazing. And it has this fantastic history of being made by monks, you know, for hundreds of years. Um, it's just, it's a great spirit. I love it. I think it's super cool. We also make our own herbal liqueur now, the Northern Minnesota, you know, kind of
0: green chartreuse?
2: I mean, it would, I would put it in the same family. It's definitely its own separate botanical spirit, but it's, it's in that herbal liqueur family of which there is this whole fairly wide ranging family where you can try different herbal liqueurs from different places across Europe, some places in the United States now. Um, that was a joke that You know, historically, people would go out and pick whatever they found in a meadow that wouldn't kill them or wouldn't kill them very fast and stick it in alcohol to (laughs) infuse it with flavor and uh, then make all these cool historic botanical medicinal things with them, digestifs and liqueurs and spirits. And um, so there's such a cool wide variety and we're just adding our own artistic spin on it as well. Yeah.
0: Do you have a spirit spirit? Is whiskey yours.
1: I was just thinking about that. I guess I don't have like a wide repertoire to know, draw from right now, but I, I do, uh, I do drink a, a lot of whiskey sours. Mm-hmm. It's easy for me to make it home. I can, um, I can control how much lemon and, and syrup, maple syrup I put in there and then which kinds of whiskeys so I would say. Uh, and it's a drink that I've shared with friends who are, who are like the, oh, I don't I don't do that kind of drink or I don't do whiskey and I said just let me let me let -hmm. me share this with Mm -hmm. you and so it's surprising it's a little sweet it can be tart (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's it it can be you can you can mix it with a little more bite if you'd like or make it softer and uh it um it just I really enjoy them so yeah right the
2: whole sour family of cocktails is a really great approachable group of cocktails. And it's so nice because you can tweak the sweet, sour balance. You can Mm -hmm. showcase different base spirits. It's my personal favorite sour ratio is two, three quarters, three quarters, but you know, you can up the sweet or sour depending on your personality.
0: So I was um, experimenting with your cedar gin this week. Mm -hmm. Um, I bought it the last time I was up in Duluth. I know I can get it here, but I always buy your stuff in Duluth because (laughs) it makes me feel like a tourist. (laughs) It feels right. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I am not a cocktail maker. I am more of a beer drinker and wine. And it's also because I've been scared, like because I don't know how to make cocktails. And so I was I go online and I look at recipes and I never know if it's going to work out right or whatever. Do you have a go-to resource for something like that? Or I did discover like the apps that you can, you know, put in what you have in your liquor cabinet and then it will like serve up like some drinks that you can make, given what you have. Do you have any suggestions for people who just kind of don't even know where to start?
2: Yeah, right. That's actually a really great question because that was me, whatever, a decade ago um, when we started a distillery and then people started asking for cocktail recommendations. And I was like, oh, I don't really (laughs) make cocktails. Um, So I did the deep dive crash course, which is (laughs) indicative of my personality. If I get into something, I get into it deep. Um, And there are so many cocktail recipes on the internet that are not good and that aren't huh. well thought out and that don't have super well balanced ratios. So it it does feel intimidating. And I totally hear that. Uh, I would recommend my book. Obviously, I was just going to uh, say that. Isn't
0: there a book called <laughs> Camp, a book cocktails? Camp Cocktails? And
2: that has great <laughs> cocktails in it, even for, for when you're not camping, because you'll get a lot of ratios and things for classic cocktails in there. But one of my favorite... Books for uh, getting uh, really great cocktail education is the Death & Co cocktail book. Mm-hmm. And then another book by the same people called the Cocktail Codex. And uh, those came out just a few years ago after I'd been you know, running our distillery and bar for a while. And it was so great to see those because it felt like they had the same kind of philosophy and approach and way of looking at things and categorizing things and balancing things that I did. So it felt like vindicated (laughs) um but also it's just like it's a great it's a great learning and teaching tool because they've done a really nice job laying out these things that I've talked about with our bartenders for a long time and I'm like I don't even have to write this book like just read this and so they have great ratios for classics they have great um illustrations and descriptions of how to think about developing your own cocktails and how to consider the different bits of balance between bitter, sweet, sour, strong, aromatic, all of that stuff.
0: Are there cocktails that haven't been created? Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> I bet. I guess.
2: We we create <laughs> new ones for our menu every, I every just, season. You do. Yeah. I mean we have our classics, but then we always have, you know, seven to nine signature cocktails. That, that are your signature. Inventing.
1: Have you ever invented a cocktail that you you were just kind of like, eh, it's okay or whatever? And it just people loved it and it really surprised you. Oh, that's a good question. I would
2: say that we never put a cocktail on our menu where I'm like, that's just okay. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, you might have different taste buds, totally, right? Like, people might not enjoy a certain genre as much, but yeah. yes.
2: And there are definitely things where I don't enjoy certain genres. I tend not to gravitate toward fruity cocktails or, um, actually like light cocktails, like fizzy <laughs> cocktails, I'm not a big soda water person or cocktails with lots of ice. Um, but even so, you know, I, I know what I'm looking for in those. I know what balances. And so I would still, we still strive to make them achieve that level of like complexity and interest and balance before we would ever put them on the menu.
1: Okay, so can you tell our listeners if they had to go buy three liquors, mm-hmm. what what are the three you should just always have in your cabinet?
2: So uh, yours, of course. Again, yeah. right? This is gonna be <laughs> a,
1: this is gonna be a personal preference sort okay. of thing. But for
2: me, I. Can I do four? Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. So uh, my go-to kind of home bar, starter bar is a bottle of whiskey that I like, a bottle of gin that I like. So ours and ours. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, a Campari or Aramaro, so a, a useful mm. kind of red bitter, and uh, sweet vermouth. And if you have those four, plus then you can stock up on things like citrus, sugar for simple syrup, uh, Soda
1: water, things like that. You can make a huge number of different mm-hmm. cocktails. I have three of the four. I actually had an amari for the first time a month ago, mm-hmm. and I was nervous because it's. Uh, do you know what this is? Uh huh. I, I, I see too. the bottle, but I. It's something. Where I'm like, I don't even know what that yep. is. So I'm yep. not going to buy that. What, what would I do with that? And a friend of mine who is of Italian descent, mm-hmm. um, brought it, um, brought it over, and I tried it, and I thought, oh, I was, and it was so um, botan- like bata- yeah, so flowery good. and botanical. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I don't think I'd like that. And then I started drinking it. I thought, wow, this drinks completely different than it. I, I thought Than mm-hmm. my, than when I looked at the bottle and when I smelled it, this is not what that is. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but I I, I, I don't have the fourth, so I've got the gin and the whiskey too.
0: We only have those because of your camp cookbook.
1: Um, because they, they yeah, were required, the I mean, yeah. they're
0: not required, but it, you know, it was said to have these things and we did make so many of your cocktails for our, our boundary waters trip. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. yeah, do it. That's okay. So it.
1: Emily, where can we buy your book? The new, the camp cookbook, the newest one so or both. the family camp yeah. cookbook. I mean, you can buy
2: it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. You can go online and look for independent okay. booksellers that are selling it, um, I know that there are a bunch of places and people send me photographs of it from different places, but I can't remember okay. all of them. It's
1: pretty accessible. Both of them it, are pretty accessible. It is accessible. pretty
2: accessible. Okay.
0: I was in Banff mm-hmm. when I saw the camp oh. cookbook, the family camp cookbook. So that was really fun to see. And then that like re-triggered my mind of like, oh my gosh, I want to talk to Emily about this. Um, and I tried the, um, uh, the the bread that you put on a stick. Yeah, pindebrød. Well, okay, say it again. Pindebrød. Yeah, That delicious, Good. easy, stick bread. fun, <laughs> stick bread. Yeah. Very fun. The kids love to do it too. So, um, are a lot of those recipes in the book, very accessible and easy for families too. Yes.
2: Right. And that was the whole goal of the book. It was, it was an interesting balance to think about and hone in on what are the recipes that are, um, very family friendly and accessible and easy to do so that you could do them camping or on car trips, things like that. And that our family really loves, but that are interesting enough that it's worth putting in a book, right? Like it's not mac and cheese from a box, which is a great go-to camping <laughs> meal, right? Like no shade, but sure. <laughs> you don't need a book for it. So what yeah. are, what are the ones that are a good fit for the book? But I tried to keep a, a range where some are almost stupidly easy and some are a little bit more of a challenge when you're feeling like a family camp gourmet. But they're they're quite accessible. Or I tried to make them really accessible.
0: Yeah. Do you own a pudgy pie maker?
2: I don't. You don't? Even, I don't? Okay. I don't People ask me them. I borrow them. They're they're fun. They're, they're fun, so fun.
0: I can imagine that you could create some magic with a pudgy pie maker. It's like an iron like pan that's yeah, so on both sides kind of think
2: of like a marshmallow roasting stick mm-hmm, again mm-hmm. we don't have special sticks for that we just use sticks <laughs> but if you so it's like two sticks and then on the end instead of a pointy thing between those two sticks there's a hinged like round uh,
0: cast iron, cast
2: iron oh, okay, little pot that closes in on itself so it's like a little you know clamshell or something yeah. and you, so you can bake things in there
1: by oh, sticking okay. them in the fire
0: yeah like you can make like desserts yeah, sure. or sandwiches or, yeah, it's, they're really fun.
1: Sounds very functional.
0: Super functional. Yeah,
1: and, and really fun for kids.
0: Yeah, right? super fun for kids. My husband made fun of me when I wanted one because I was like, this will be amazing. And now it's like a staple, like in our camping. Yeah, right. Our car I camping. I
2: tend to be, uh, yes, car yeah. camping. Um, weight, weight allowed camping, which is what this book is for sure. Um, I'm not hardcore enough to, and my kids don't, uh, want to (laughs) go for long (laughs) hiking, um, excursions yet. But, um, yeah, I tend to be very like not into specialized equipment. I like things that have many, many different uses, but but the pudgy pie things are pretty fun.
0: Yeah. Do you cook over a fire, typically? Or do you have bring a gas stove along? What's your? Both. Both, Both. OK.
2: Uh, I would say never ever assume that you're going to be able to just cook over a fire because that's how you wind up having a lot of cold food on your camping trip because it's just inviting disaster Mm -hmm. to be like, oh yeah, I'll just cook on a fire the whole time. So if you bring your stove, then you'll probably get your fire lit and it won't be rainy and then you can cook over the fire, but you have your stove for backup. Um, But I think, you know, the two, the family, like two burner camp stove, It's a great invention and a great thing to have. You can can do so many things with it. Oatmeal. (laughs) But I do love cooking over a fire too. Oh my gosh, I do
0: too. I love it so much. How about a favorite place to camp?
2: Oh my gosh, we... I mean we really like just going to like well obviously the boundary waters and you're doing canoe trips um and my parents have a place up on tate lake so it's right near the Brule lake area Mm -hmm. which is probably my favorite spot in the boundary waters but we really like just going to like jay cook state park just south Mm -hmm. of us it's so lovely and fun and easy and accessible uh one of my favorite places i ever camped was uh campground i think it was either montana or idaho i should remember this, but I don't, um, called upper coffee pot. Hmm. It was just a little mountain. Sounds lake. Fun. It was really beautiful. Um, my husband and I used to go camping in the white mountains a lot too. And we lived on the East coast and that was always fantastic.
1: Yeah. How many years were you out East? So you went to call, you went to college PhD. Yeah. Then... So nine, I want to say. Okay. Yeah. I was about, no, I, I don't I was gone. For, I, I mean, I grew up here and then I left mm-hmm. for 13 years and probably yeah, maybe like nine out outies too. So. Yeah, um, I think I. Yeah, moved away from Duluth and.
2: Mm, I don't have. Give away my age, right? Uh, <laughs> no, don't do that. No, exactly. <laughs> Some <laughs> number. We're all about Let's there. Say, I was here
1: with four numbers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was, numbers didn't exist. I was I was
2: away from Duluth for
1: thirteen or fourteen years, and okay. I was in Boston Let's for say, like nine of them. Yeah. Oh, that's great! Yeah, I went to school um, in Rhode Island, so I was really oh yeah uh, up in Boston all the time, and then I worked. You went to between, school in Rhode Island, mm-hmm, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Went to school in okay. Rhode Island, and then uh, worked between Massachusetts and Connecticut and upstate mm-hmm. New York for many years. So.
0: See all the commonalities. <laughs> <Similar> <laughs> what else can we grounds. find out? Let's find out one more thing. What else okay. do you guys have in common? You two. Um, um, I do
1: not have a PhD.
0: Okay, Okay. so Um, not not that. you have two
1: boys? Yes. Okay, I have one boy. Okay.
0: Do you like to bicycle?
1: I do like to bicycle. (laughs) Bicycle. I uh,
2: Not a hardcore long-distance bicyclist. (laughs) I used to be like a always bike commuter, right, until having kids. And then I was like, you are too heavy. So now I need an e-bike. I think that would be awesome. (laughs) Um, But I used to bike a lot more than I do now. I love cross-country skiing. <gasps>
1: okay. Oh, well, yes. there you go. Here we go. I've right. done like, maybe oh, seven there... berkeys. <laughs> nice. So, usually untrained. Just oh, like, uh, to, ber- 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 like just like to go in and <laughs> suffer. Do you know the Berkey song? The one that they sing
2: on the uh, radio in Wisconsin? No. Oh, Do my I? God. I wish. I, can I re- recreate it? It's like, if you want to ski the Berkey, you got to get yourself no. some training. Because if you don't remember that, you're in for a lot of paining. Painin. Oh, uh, that's that
1: song is about me. It is.
2: I feel like you can do, I feel like this with marathons and the Berkey, right? Like you can do the half untrained and like have it still be an acceptable experience. But like when you go into a marathon or the Berkey untrained, it's like, what did I just do to myself?
1: I would agree with that. Like I can finish, but I would say I'm like, you know, shaking my head, just thinking, what was I thinking? Exactly. What was every time? And I'm like, let's go do it again next year. (laughs) That's me. <laughs> Never so. learn. Okay, switching gears. Yeah. Uh, we You mentioned Emily's parties. Yeah. Tell us about some of these parties because my parents allegedly are um, famous for some parties they had oh, when they nice. were younger than I am now and probably all of us. But um, I need some ideas because I want to bring it back. and so Okay. What are some of these parties oh, that yeah. you have? So
2: I love a theme that is like what gets my juices going and what I like to have as an excuse for throwing a party. And we do a lot of like family and neighborhood parties too, right? These aren't just like adult um, rager parties. <laughs> That's not our style. Um, but, you know, some of the ones that we really love, well, we have a huge sit the party, which is Norway's Constitution Day on the 17th of May. And so that we bring together all the neighborhood, all the Norwegians, my parents, everybody gets assigned one of the traditional foods, whether it's blødkåk or hot dogs or waffles, bullet, which are cardamom buns, meatballs, all that stuff. So we have a huge buffet of traditional Norwegian foods, and everybody who has one dresses in their national costume, which is called a bunad, um, or else you wear like a Norwegian sweater or something fancy, and we get all the Norwegian flags, and we have a parade around the neighborhood, singing huh. songs fun. with an accordion. So fun. And I'm writing this um, down. Yeah. So um, i send so so going to go a, to Go uh, yeah, to wander around until you find it. And just play <laughs> it, right? Um, also fun, fun for families, we do a backyard state fair with our neighbors, and uh, just a handful of neighbors, I guess, how many people come it's probably like 30 people who end up coming though and so we do this backyard state fair where we make butter sculptures ourselves and we oh. make crop art oh. ourselves so we have a pre-party oh. party by having a crop art making party where we have cocktails and crop art and all the supplies for everybody kids and adults included and we have like Uh, machinery hill with like everybody's lawnmower and uh, a a group of us get together and put together a uh, 4-H musical where we like coordinate singing a song together from like a musical or a movie and do a (laughs) performance, a surprise performance. Uh, During the winter Olympics, we had a backyard winter Olympics, which was a super blast. So we like set up curling and hockey and uh, ice dancing. And we built a giant pile of snow to do a Quote unquote downhill skiing, and we had a biathlon loop with Nerf guns. And uh, my husband Joel rigged up a zip line and an oil soaked rag with fire into our dried Christmas tree that we'd set up in the yard. So it went down with the Olympic fanfare, and we lit this tree on fire to make the Olympic torch. <laughs> that was so fun. But we've also done things like we did an Alice in Wonderland theme party. Um, for Joel's 40th birthday with a bunch of friends where we just had, um, you know, we turned a friend's backyard into a whole wonderland and I made a giant uh, caterpillar with a hookah and giant mushrooms everywhere and a Cheshire cat in the tree. And we had um, like a fountain and we had like a whole table with surprise drinks that all said like, drink me and little, um, you know, card shaped biscuit, treats and lots of fun stuff, so.
0: Kate and I are just looking at each other like, what?
2: Are you for real? You're just the best. <laughs> this year I'm hoping to pull off a like last of the Roman Romanov's like Anastasia themed thing because I just want to make blinis and borscht and fake Fabergé
0: eggs. <laughs> how do you have time to do, like this is amazing and I am not as busy as you and I don't feel like I could pull something like that off. Like
2: how Mom, do you, how, or runner, how do you prioritize? Yeah, Party thrower. That's a, yeah, the right. I think it is all about, about prioritizing. And for me, things like that get the creative juices flowing and give me energy. So I've found that if I don't prioritize that, mm. I just kind of run out of steam and get really blase about things. And like, where's the fun? Everything's the same. But if I have like a crazy party that I'm throwing, a, you know, Poulain soiree with, <laughs> <laughs> you know, flute playing and French snacks, things like that, I I, I get, excited and thinking about other things again and connecting with people. And so uh, I would say that I, I don't sleep as much as I should and I don't watch television. Mm. Um, and so that also frees up some time. And then I just like rah, run around <laughs> like that a lot.
1: Mm. I understand the no sleeping thing. Yeah, So I get things done too.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't
1: them. sleep so I fill the time. It's not that I'm Trying not to sleep to do things, but (laughs) it's a curse and a blessing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: Okay. So uh, I'm wondering about what's next for you. Um, You throw amazing party. I mean, you can tell us about the next party, but I'm guessing there's some other professional things that you have going on. Um, And I'm just kind of wondering what, what that looks like.
2: Yeah. Oh my gosh. We have all sorts of stuff going on Um, with the distillery. We are looking For space where we can expand because we've run out of space in our building. So uh, we love our location, but we yeah, Mm. we are just out of space. And so and there's no more space in the building that we can take. So we're looking for an additional or a different space still along the lake um, and potentially building out a new space down the line, which is of course a big project and doing some brand refreshing for the distillery, which has been a really fun project that should be rolling out in February or March this next Mm, year. Um, and you know, there's always like new products and new menus and things that we're fussing with that will come out when the time is right. And I'm also working on, uh, I was asked to write two new books, spinoffs of this whole camp cookbook series. They wanted a couple of little, uh, giftable spinoffs. I'm working on a on a couple more kind of fireside camping cookbooks. Cool. What's a giftable
0: spin off? Like small? It's a little bit shorter. Okay. All right. Yeah. Like a little companion piece exactly. you can carry yep. with you.
2: That's easy to pack or easy to gift. Uh-huh. And it's a companion piece that has like some overlap, but also new recipes. Mm. Got it. So getting, getting the wheels spinning for that.
0: And how do you come up with your recipes?
2: Um, a lot of it is just based on what I cook right and uh, I uh, don't I do a lot of reading recipes reading cookbooks reading cooking magazines thinking about food and then I don't use recipes basically Mm. ever when I cook I just go into the kitchen and start cooking things and so then what I'm thinking about or what I've seen gets meshed up with other things and morphs into new dishes and then um kind of create it from there and then what goes into the cookbooks tend to be the things that I like or my kids like the best and that we find ourselves turning to the most often
0: and do you have to figure out how to translate that to the outdoors or do you believe you can just pull from your kitchen and make the same food that you would make in your kitchen outdoors? oh
2: uh, no you definitely have to translate it to okay. the outdoors um and uh, but I think there is overlap with like being a busy mom and cooking for kids, mm-hmm. and some of the time constraints and number of ingredient constraints that that creates, that then lends some of those things more easily adaptable to the out of doors. But definitely, you know, like campfire recipes and things like that are are their own thing. Where you might have like, you know, a blueberry cobbler that you love to make at home, and you can take some of those same. Um, you know, like balance of sugar and fat and things like that that makes the recipe so good. And then you have to retool how you would do it for a cast iron skillet over a fire or a Dutch oven. Hmm. All these things to think about. Yeah, right. And always reducing weight, reducing number of ingredients, taking things that will last in or out of a cooler,
1: things like that. How old are your, your boys? They just turned nine and just turned five. Nine and five, okay. All right, so minus four and... He has to try everything, but we're still definitely in the stages of, like, the pickiness, right? So, mm-hmm. but I still make things. I mean, I make things that are very complicated, have a lot of ingredients, and I just, um, I'll, I'll take vegan <laughs> just, like, <laughs> mix it all in there and give it to them. Like, you have to eat this. And then you can, have, all the difference. You can have this, you know, chocolate chip <laughs> after dinner.
2: Mm-hmm. I do think it makes a difference, though, right, with um, cooking for kids is just don't give them the other options yeah right like you can choose whether or not to eat dinner right but you're not going to get something later no and you can choose which pieces of dinner you want and you have to try something before saying no but if you hate it I'm not going to make you eat it but I'm also not going to cook you something else or let you hit up the cereal in the kitchen
1: we did the whole, uh, I, t- I told him to plug his nose and close his eyes, and then he wouldn't know what he's eating <laughs> <laughs> the other day. He ended up, I mean, it took like an hour, but we have those rules too. Yeah. You're not getting something different. You're not going to be able to eat later. And if you choose not to eat dinner, you have to sit here and then or go to bed. You know mm-hmm. And um, he'll appreciate it later when he's tried a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. So. Yes. Yeah, exactly right. I think it's
2: <laughs> it, it creates a good... Habits. Foundation Good of things. habits, mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. Yes.
0: Okay. Any parting thoughts?
1: Well, Tape I want to know minute. where you got your dress. Mm-hmm. Listeners cannot see you right vintage. now, but it is this cute, like plaid, yeah. and it's just a it 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 looks very Scandinavian.
2: Yes, right. Yeah. It it is like plaid it's yeah. flannel, but it's not flannel. Sort of <laughs> puffy sleeve mini dress. Uh, it is from I think it's a Danish company called Ghani. And I got it on like clearance.
1: Okay, so where do you shop for your clothes? Oh, that's because oh. I I've seen pictures of you. Yes, always this very is the best question of the interview. Forward. Yes, and so I need to know. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes,
2: I do. Uh, right, I'm like either wearing technical gear or fashion.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes. I think many of our listeners actually would appreciate that as women interested yes. in the outdoors. Right. right. Yes, like, you don't have to yes. be. Uh, yeah, you
2: can still dress cute. Yes. Um. So I love Rent the Runway for just wearing different things without buying things. I love, uh, one of my go-tos is Shop Meal, which is a Minneapolis company.
1: Oh, And yeah. my and
2: Michelle is designing their clothes. Um, and I think they're made with a partner company in India that's like responsibly done. And she does beautiful things. Um, where else? I really love uh, this New York. Designer Rachel Antonoff. She just does wacky prints that speak to me. Yeah. <laughs> They're like Farfalle or The Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> I have a okay. I have like a mini dress that has martini olives on it. That's Cute. that's from there. Um, Yeah.
1: Okay. Where Thank else? you.
2: I'm not like a big shopper, but if I see something I like, then I'm like get it but and then yeah I like to rent things so that I don't have to shop so much
0: <laughs> but it sounds like you have a lot of places to wear these beautiful things yes. like I sometimes feel silly when I'm dressed mm-hmm. up now because I just don't feel like I have the occasions necessarily that allow me to I mean I guess any occasion exactly like, I want to wear that dress right now yeah
2: see and you just yeah. like pair it with more casual shoes
0: yeah and... yeah
1: excellent Yep.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, Emily Vikra, thank you so much. Kate Howard, thank you so much. I think, like, one of my big takeaways here from talking to both of you is imagination. Like, it seems like you both kind of look at life and imagine what it can be, and then you take the steps to go and make it make it be what you want it to be. I don't know. That's the. Vibe. I mean, and I knew I knew having you two in the same room, like there would be like lots of synergies and a lot of <laughs> a lot of. Um, like you do very different things, but you're so similar, and I love being able to bring people together that um, that are inspiring in their own ways and in similar ways. And I hope that everyone who is listening um, is able to to feel that too here in this energy in this room. So, thank you both. Thank you. Um, thank you. Uh, host extraordinaire
1: (laughs) thank you for having me um mystery host my first co-hosting experience must come back again (laughs) thank you okay
0: and emily guest host sometime Sometime. oh that sounds okay all right i think she'd be really good yeah we have to figure out who it should be you get to decide the guest i
2: feel like i uh, get hyper curious in things when I start hearing them though. And then like ask the really weird questions instead of questions that appeal to other people. So watch, watch
1: what you wish for. That'd be fun. That's the, that's the the best form of entertainment. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) totally.
0: All right. Thank you. This is, we do this for fun. Don't forget to have fun out there. See ya. We Do This for Fun is supported by 515 Productions, a high-end video production business based in Minneapolis. The website is 515 Productions.com. And did you know that Jody is also a health and wellness coach? Check out her website at jodygruencom If you like this podcast, we love your support. Please rate and review us and hit subscribe. Learn more about us at We Do dot com. As always, we welcome your questions and feedback. Email us at do this for fun at gmail.com. We'll be dedicating future episodes to answering your questions. So let her rip, whether it's about gear purchases or tampons and IBS in the wilderness. We do not judge. We promise we've been there, done that. Nothing is off the table. And thanks for listening.